0: broken with a capital B. Incoming transmission.
1: Engage house party protocol. Mark 4, powering up. Mark 17, powering up. Mark 44, powering up. Suits
0: are online welcome to House Party Protocol. Power up suits and welcome in to another episode of House Party Protocol. My name is Will and with me today is a fellow webhead if you will even though we are House Party Protocol here everyone knows that you know I don't uh, live and die by what Tony Stark does. I play those web warriors fairly regularly though I've been changing it up a lot lately. But we have the one and only Aaron from the Web Warrior Protocols. What's happening my guy? Yeah, not much, not too bad yourself. Man, you know I can't complain. Life is good. Been able to get in some games lately and kind of get uh, my mind right, if you will, for the upcoming TTS season, which I'm uh, very excited for. It's I've got my first match this Saturday. So, if you're listening oh. to this, you can uh, follow us on Facebook, and I'll make sure to post, because I will probably be streaming that match. So, you can uh, follow me there over at uh, twitch.tv slash DarthBalls05, because I laugh every time I say it, because, yeah, that's juvenile, but whatever, I don't care. <laughs> so, yeah, check that out. I'll be, uh, be playing against a CS foes list, which... I don't know about you, Aaron. I've been seeing a lot of lately.
1: Yeah, so criminal syndicates definitely had a big surge in play since um, Bullseye was updated, and I think the amount of crossover between them and foes that, if you're looking to do a two-two affiliation roster, that's probably the easiest one to as of the minute. Maybe the, there might be some others out there, but CS foes is probably the easiest to quickly build together.
0: Yeah, it's uh, pretty potent right now, and. It's definitely one that I'm just I'm seeing all over the place. Like it's it's it was all over at LVO, and I've seen um, Chris posted about his roster that he took to the event recently. And it's just one of those things where it's I think it's really good. It's really strong, and you know, definitely. you might ask yourself why do you see this CS and foes thing out there everywhere? And it's one of those things for me. I think like you said, there's a lot of easy crossover there. I think each kind of roster brings a different strength or squad, if you will, brings a different strength when they're on the tabletop. And anytime you can get Goblin and Ock over there for some well-laid plans when you get the right extract combination, it's a good time.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well-laid plans has been more downfall in one of more games. So I have to respect just how good that card can be in the right situation.
0: Exactly. Yeah, it uh, it helped me to beat Nate in our match on his YouTube channel. So, yeah, that was a good time. So, Aaron, today's show it's going to be a little bit different than kind of our normal setup of stuff. Like, we don't really have a plan <laughs> going into today's episode. And we're going to have more of a conversation, kind of talk a little bit of uh, inside baseball on the maybe slightly more competitive side of things but also you know if you're new here or if you're new to crisis protocol i think you'll be able to glean something from this because you know how i do it here you know there's no gatekeeping here man like we try to keep it as above board as possible so that everyone can get something out of the show so we're just gonna have a conversation today maybe take a little bit more of a competitive focus but we're not leaving anyone behind does that sound good to you aaron
1: yeah 100 percent. the other thing will um, somebody mentioned as well, if we get chance, maybe we could talk about three and four threats to get slept on a little bit.
0: Oh, I'm down with that. Yeah, I'm super cool down work. with that. So, let's save that for about the middle of the show because I think that's a really good topic. And, yeah, let's dive in. And, Aaron, the first thing I want to talk about is you are pretty involved in the tournament scene over there in the UK. And, I really enjoy following kind of your progress with that and following your write-ups, and then you're actually hosting your own event too, correct?
1: Yeah, so my my last event that I hosted was the second Illuminati Invitational, which wasn't this weekend, it was the weekend before, and then mm-hmm. we've just booked in the third one as well.
0: Nice. Well, one day, if I ever come over there, I would like to be invited to the Illuminati event of
1: course we'll have to definitely make it so those two things
0: yeah one day in some some far off far-flung future yeah definitely so obviously when you're making your own event you're not playing in it right
1: no i don't play in them okay
0: so how did you feel about making your event and how did you was there any like kind of Uh, difficulties that came through with trying to make it? Did you have to worry about, like, drops and stuff like that?
1: Um, So I think inevitably, due to the current world we live in, drops are a real thing, um, more so than ever before. Uh, Just to put into perspective, we had 32 people who had bought and paid for tickets for the last event. And then on the day, we had eight dropouts, I think. Wow. So that that's a big chunk of the players. Yeah, Uh, that was due to mostly due to either having COVID or being in contact with somebody that had COVID. So yeah, Um, we also had a bit of a problem. Some so three of the guys drove down to type part Simon, Barney, and Andrew. And just as I got here, the car broke down. Oh no! And I think it was about a three four hour drive from Southampton. And uh, the AA came out, which in case you don't know, it's sort of like, uh, I don't know what it actually stands for. It's not Alcoholics Anonymous, I know that much. It's <laughs> the people that fit cars.
0: Yeah, we, we best... have AAA yeah. over here.
1: Okay, I, I'd imagine it's similar. And um, what they did is they said to the three lads that were playing, they said, we're going to have to tow the car so you can either come now in the car or you can make your own way back. Oh, so they no. all have to drop out after round one as well.
0: Oh, that's that's just unfortunate. That's just timing, man. You you know that's just life saying you're not going to play today, guys. Sorry.
1: Yeah, so I, I think in total, including that those guys dropping out, there was eleven people that had to drop out in the end.
0: Nice, man. That's that's crazy. Hopefully, the next one doesn't have that big of a of a uh, drop dropsies problem. Yeah,
1: hopefully it was still a really, really, really good event though.
0: Yeah. Um, so, what one? So.
1: Two rosters that won, well, that went undefeated were uh, Darren McNally, also known as the Wargaming Dad. The Wargaming
0: Dad. Oh, yeah. Good guy.
1: So he, he had um, a Black Order roster. Oh, I can't remember. I think he had another affiliation in there, but he only used Black Order. And then the other person that went undefeated was my friend Ron.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And Ron was playing. Uh, it's not, Ron is the one person that changes every single week. So just give me a second and I'll tell you. I think Ron was playing maybe Guardians.
0: Hey, mad respect to Ron, man. Like, mix it up, buddy. I'm here for it.
1: Yeah, Ron is, I think, if you got on long chanks, um, Ron's got a spider foe. Pho- he's got multi-affiliation master as one of his badges. Oh, nice. Which means he's got five or more games with five or more affiliations. Uh He's had 10 games with Convocation, 10 with Defenders. Uh, he's the highest-rated spider player. So, yeah, Ron mixes it up a little bit. He um, likes to bring different things all the time, which makes it very confusing trying to remember what he
0: was using. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh,
1: Ron was running Wakanda this time, so it was none of the above.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's impressive.
1: So, yeah, Ron is a very, very, very good player. He's actually one of the, one of the two people I've lost to at an event. So, oh wow! Well. Uh, Rob definitely knows what he's doing.
0: Yeah, clearly. So, you bring up losing at an event. I think that's an interesting uh, segue here because you started out your MCP career. How many and oh?
1: Um, I think I got to thirty-nine wins before I lost one.
0: Yeah, at events. That's not just like the casual or, games. That's that's like that's like event wins.
1: All in real, our events. So none of these have been TTS events. These are all events up and down the UK, bicycle. probably across seven or eight different shops.
0: That's a pretty impressive run, and so you now have two losses to blemish that record, if you will. But uh, you know, it's it's, it's uh, still pretty good there. But would you say that, like, after your first loss, did you kind of reevaluate things?
1: If anything, I was uh, after I got over sort of. Be, being gutted that I hadn't managed to get to fourteen in a row, I think I was a little bit relieved because there was beginning to be a lot of pressure. It's like, oh, are you going to lose this one? Oh, are you going to? Right. So it was relieving in a sense that it sort of was. I'd got it out the way and it was done now because it's inevitable. You can't win every single game. Eventually, you will get dosed or you will uh, come up against a matchup where you know the other person builds a better roster in that one game. Yeah, which is which is what happened. I feel in my own. Um, my first loss, which was to Tony.
0: Yeah. So did you go and and look at your roster after that and, like, kind of put things in it, maybe take some stuff out of it, or did you kind of keep it flowing and then when you hit that second loss is when you went back to the drawing board?
1: So after the first loss, um, I didn't change anything massively, I don't think. I think what I did do is drop... I think this is the point where I dropped um, cubes, mm-hmm. which is quite funny because it ha- it wasn't the mission that I was playing that I actually lost on. The mission uh, combination I lost on was Scrolls and Infinity Formula, I believe. Um, but cubes, I'd been looking at for a while, thinking, do I need this in my roster? Do I want this in my roster? And sort of some of the things that went wrong in the game I did lose made me reevaluate having cubes in my team just because it could end in a very similar situation. Mm hmm. And then my second loss against Ron, um, I don't think I changed anything after that other than, again, I had one mission swap, ironically, again, not the mission we were playing. And I dropped Demons Downtown, which had been in my roster since it was released. Oh, yeah. Just because me and Ron had talked about it. And and basically, Ron had used Ghost Rider in that game. And we just said, Ron said he was hoping for a... Uh, demons just because he's now immune to Incinerate. And it just made me reevaluate. I think for a long time, Web Warriors were able to mitigate the Incinerate, the best out of all the different affiliations. But now when you look at Midnight Suns who can take two or three models immune to Incinerate entirely, I think they've got the upper hand. So I, I, I no longer have that little bit of edge when taking that mission.
0: Nice. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting because I personally always felt like that uh, Demons was one of those like risk-reward missions you know what I mean like can I mitigate yeah. that incinerate I don't know like personally I, I always had a hard time I always got wrecked but you know the
1: way, the way I sort of looked at it is both teams are going to be incinerated but what I have is a reroll board wide on my defense so that helped out a little but as I said there's nothing that's going to be as good as completely being immune to it which as I said the Midnight Suns essentially are because you've got uh, Voodoo and Ghost Rider and then Blade you can just spend the power to shake it
0: yep yep man. yeah so good. So when was your second loss? When did that happen?
1: Um I I'm just trying to think let me see if I can get the date for it because it's a lot easier. it's all right. So I do quite a few events. I think'm right. i up to 24 events now. man, so
0: so many events.
1: Yeah, so it makes it very hard to remember. I think it was December maybe okay yeah so it was december and my loss was to ron in that one right okay and, um, it was all going amazingly well it was four. i think it was 15, 15 7 to me in my favor and toad was in one corner holding a spider infected and black cat was in the other holding one and i basically said to ron i says oh i don't think you can catch either of them so i'm gonna score the one vp i need and this is when Ron went. Well, actually, I'm going to use well laid plans. <laughs> at this point, spider, f- uh, is it spider? Yeah, spider foes hadn't really seen a lot of table time, so I was like, okay, what does that do?
0: Uh-huh. I wasn't.
1: I, I, I sort of knew the basic gist of it, but I wasn't um, sort of well versed with what it did. And Ron explained, and I went, so you can do that board wide. And Ron went, yep. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so <laughs> I need to hope you don't get what you need on the rolls. Uh-huh. And I think he rolled Toad first, got what he needed so Toad dropped his Spider Infected. And I was like, oh, it's okay. Black Cat has one still, which is obviously a famous last word. Ron then rolled again and made Black Cat drop it as well. Of course. And I think Ron was just able to use one of his models to grab one of the Spider Infected. And it ended up meaning that I scored nothing and Ron got a whopping nine points, which took him straight to 16. Oh, no. <laughs> It was, like, it, it was all lined up perfectly and then those well-laid plans just pulled the rug from underneath my feet.
0: Yeah, yeah that's that's the most perfect kind of turn though too. It's when you're like, alright, I'm confident over here. Alright. And then just, whoop. Nope. Yeah, for the moment I was like, Ron, no. Th- what? And Ron was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we checked it and,
1: and, and Ron had got what he needed to jump to 16. And uh, definitely some well-laid plans from Ron because it hit, I think he knew in the back of his head that he was saving it for the right time. And I think he realized at the start of that turn that this was the right time to use
0: it. Oh yeah. And
1: obviously it, it paid off. Do you know what I mean?
0: Oh yeah. hundred percent. That, that's the thing, man. Like, you know, I want to go down that road for a second in terms of like that little bit of strategy, right? Like there's, there's times when you are looking at your opponent and they're just loaded for bear, right? They've got everything in their advantage. A moment like that, right? Like, You know, you were up big on the score. You've got two extracts instead of just the one you need. You know, you can score all the secures in the world and hold on to a couple extracts, but you're still going to have a hard time catching up that big of a point swing. And, you know, you can't prepare from the outset for a moment like that, but I think it's a, a good situation to illustrate that, like, in the back of your mind, hanging on to those incredibly powerful tools for that, like, for that moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's it's hard to do. I mean, I've played Spider-Foes a few times, and, you know, if my opponent's holding on to four extracts, well, yeah, I want to use well-laid plans. But at the same time, I know that maybe it's not the right time to do it. Maybe I need to get a few more dazes. Maybe I need to get a couple of KOs. That way, my opponent only has a couple of extracts I can take it from them, and then they score nothing, and I have a huge swing.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, credit to Ron, of course. The turn before, I was only holding one spider affected, and I think he went to use it, asked how many I had. I said, oh, I've only got the one. Uh, he asked what I would I would get to. I said, oh, I'm going to go to 15 because of the two Terrigen or whatever it was at the time. Uh-huh. And he's like, I-, I won't use it then. And I was like, okay. Um, Again, at the time, I wasn't really sure what it was. In my mind, I was thinking, oh, I'm just going to run away anyway, so you won't be able to. (laughs) And then it was, oh, no, it's board wide.
0: (laughs) Right. And, you know, that's one of those things where there's very few things in this game that you can literally do nothing about. And I know that there's been a conversation on the Facebook stuff. I don't know if you've been seeing any of it about certain characters. I don't know if we want to get into that right now. But – I think that things like well laid plans, things like field dressing when you have no activations left, you know that kind of stuff. Those are things that you can do very little about. Especially well laid plans, you can do nothing about that. Like if the dice fall, you're you're just you're dropping your extracts. Congratulations. Yeah, you know. I mean,
1: in in a sense, the only thing you can do about well laid plans, which it's my fault I didn't realize, is that. You need both uh, Green Goblin and Doc Ock alive at the time to use it. Exactly. Like I said, not really playing against Spider Foes, so in hindsight what I'd have tried to do is daze one of them so he couldn't use it before I
0: went off. Sure.
1: But obviously that's that's in hindsight and that's being able to look back and see that, so
0: Right. And and that's and that's it. You know, it's there there are strategies, that's what I was gonna get at, is that there are things you can do to mitigate these things. Now you know, even though you have that well-laid plans, even though you have you've been possessed or or whatever. You know, there's there's options presented to you, yeah. and things are strong and things are 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 good that can do that. But in general, they're like you know they're risk reward, and for well-laid plans, you know you have to keep Goblin and Ock alive to use it, and especially if you get late into the game, you know the likelihood of one of them being on their injured side and probably already having some damage on them is pretty high. So, you know, it's... it's. I just find that kind of thing interesting and, like, there's nothing you can do about it, but there is something you can do about it. But you've just got to realize that it's there. You've got to realize, you know, what these things do and, and whatnot. And that's just part of, you know, seeing what your opponent has and, and having exposure to the game, you know?
1: A hundred And as always... It's, it's part of what I think is the most important thing, which is getting the reps in and knowing what your opponent can do.
0: Exactly. Because now,
1: moving forward, if I come against a Spider-Fos player, one of the first things I want to know is, have you got well-laid plans? <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, you know, you, you talk about reps and, and getting the reps in, and, and that's kind of where I want to take this conversation next, because, you know, over here in the States, you know, a lot of the times it feels like, you know, you got a game night that you go to. Like, we have a game night locally where, you know, every Tuesday night the the crew gets together and, and play some games. I don't get to do that because my work schedule sucks, but that's neither here nor there. But, you know, over there it seems like you guys are doing events every weekend. You know, there there's something going on all the time. You know, tons of events happening. And that's wonderful. Like, I wish that I could do an like a real event every weekend it's probably my wife would probably hate it but (laughs) it is what it is but in terms of getting the reps in do you get practice games in during the week before these events or is it just more like the events are your practice at this point
1: so i think it's a little mix of both to be honest um i think it's fair to say that we all have dips and wines with not how much we're enjoying the game, sort of how many games we want to be playing a week. So some weeks, if if I've got the time, if I'm not at college, um, and I can fit in around when I have my son, um, I'll play three or four days a week at my Mm. local shop in Brum. which a big shout out to, that's where I'm now, where I'm recording, and that's who's wants us, uh, my channel. So yes, in a sense, that can be practice games but at the same time there are some some months where we have three or four events in one month so it sort of becomes a matter of I'll play on the weekend and then not play until the next weekend just to dif- just to mix it up a little bit so it, it really varies um i don't i don't think we uh, i know elliot for example tries to mm-hmm. play twice a week at least um and then there are some other people that don't really fly at all and just come to some events occasionally.
0: I got you. Yeah, yeah. I know. You know, I've listened to a few different interviews and stuff that some of the more American competitive players have put out there and stuff. And you know, they talked about like getting in, you know, five or six games a week. And I'm just like, man, that is a level of gaming that I wish I could do, but I just don't have time for. You know and
1: I, I think,
0: sorry to cut you off I think
1: I, I usually get at least six times a week yeah to be fair
0: no and and look I think that's wonderful like I, I'm not saying that like oh look at these nerds with no life getting all these games yeah. in I don't mean it like that <laughs> you know because I think most people listening to this would want to be that nerd that could get games in like that right but you know here we are and life is life and and all that stuff but it's funny to me like I consider myself like a semi-competitive player, you know, I'm casual, I can, you know, roll casual dice, but I, I like the idea that maybe one day I can, like, you know, surprise the world Merzane style, and, well, even though Merzane's, like, a good, really good player and everything, but, like, you know what I mean, like, you know, so I, like, want to kind of take my game to that next level, but I also know that, you know, I'm not, going to be able to get that amount of games in every week and would you say that that that's kind of what you have to do to get to that next step of the competitive ladder is to just play that many games and another question to add to that against a variety of opponents
1: so i don't think you necessarily have to get all of those reps it's obviously going to help um, the more more games you have in, it's it's muscle memory, essentially. you know you remember things a lot easier, you become a lot more familiar with your things. Just simple things like getting your setup and and teardown times for all of your rosters and your tokens and whatnot um come a lot quicker and a lot more naturally after playing a lot more games. I don't think you have to do it in order to be um one of the more competitive players or competitive minded players. I'm pretty sure Ron doesn't play as much as we do locally here because Ron's uh, about an hour from where we are.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And as I've said before, I'm really looking My local crowd at Boarding Room, we've been able to build it up to the point of I can get a game any day of the week of yeah. Marvel against multiple people, which is great. Um, to your second point, do you need to necessarily be playing different people? I don't think you do need to be. I think what's important is playing playing like-minded people so i don't think you'll get i think you'll you'll improve more against somebody that is also trying to improve more I gotcha. so elliot for example um when me and l first started playing marvel together uh l was I don't, I don't want to say bad but he wasn't he wasn't really even even a semi-competitive player at that point. And me and Elliot, honestly, have probably played 100 games against each other now. And now El is very, very good at the game. He's picked up a lot. You know, he's a much better player. And for a long time, it was just me and him playing. Uh, my friend Dan, who recently got into it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: only really played me. But For example, last week on Friday and Saturday, me and Dan played three games Friday, three games Saturday, and I've just had a on with him just. And you can see how quickly he's picking things up and learning the game just across that small window of time. So I'd, I, I think although it will, it will help to play different people in the sense that you'll learn more about different rosters, but playing one person can also be beneficial because they will also be able to point out and help with where they think you're going wrong or where you're improving.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think that's a really fair point, is definitely getting in with the like-minded crowd. I mean, you know, again, and this is this conversation is is about, like, kind of going from semi-competitive to maybe trying to go to that competitive land, if you will. I think that, you know, playing opponents, playing your friends that are also pushing you to be better. And let me ask you yeah. this, when when you're trying these games out, you know, the non non-tournament games you know do you practice scenarios do you talk it out with your opponent like okay well what if I did this here what would that change do you do you do that in these games or do you just play the game out let it roll and then talk about it afterwards
1: we tend for the most part to talk about it afterwards um what I try to do generally when I would play is bec- because what I'm trying to do in my local group especially is Raise the level of play and help everyone improve. So all we, if I see a play that my opponent could do that they might not have seen, I will let them know or say or point out a way they could do it a little bit better. For example, there was a game with me and Elliot where he could he was going to lose Green Goblin mm-hmm. and he and he forgot that he would got climbing gear that would have got him out of the way. So before I did anything in my turn, I said just so you know, well you can use climbing gear if you want to do that if you want to go back then go for it and then that had a huge impact on the game so i like to point these things out but generally i ask that people don't do it for me and people don't tend to do it for me anyway Mm -hmm. uh, because i learn more by going oh well i should have done that and thinking about it in retrospect and afterwards
0: yeah yeah for me it's kind of a bit of a balance like i have a friend locally you know uh shout out to andrew or flex some of y'all might know him out there playing on tts this season and and he's similar in that when we're playing you know we play casually to try to kind of push one another to get better because we're both again trying to kind of up our game a little bit and we played a game recently and he played something and he totally forgot this like one thing because he's trying out a new convocation roster And, and I was like, well, man, let's just run it back. It's cool. You know, we're, we're very, he's like, no, no, like I need to remember how this feels right now so that I won't make this mistake again. I was like, fair, fair point, you know? But for me, I like to kind of have both things, like where it's like, hey, I screwed this up, but I want to see what would happen had I not screwed it up. Because I also want to know whether or not what I had planned was going to be effective, if you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, I get what you mean entirely. And I think it's important to, again, play with like-minded people and let people possibly take some take-backs or do things a bit differently. Because the most important thing is you're not playing in a tournament when you're practicing. The whole point is you are practicing a casual game, so you have the option to do these things.
0: Exactly. You you
1: just need to make sure you don't get into the habit of, of playing a little bit loosely, thinking, oh, I can just tidy up or go back and
0: have a do-over. Yep. Yep. 100%. 100%. So, with all of this conversation now, I want to uh, pivot a little bit, because I've really enjoyed having this discussion, but I think now, let's do something a little less less heavy, if you will, and let's talk about some undervalued three threats, like you suggested. What do you think? You ready for that?
1: Yeah, man. Definitely.
0: All right. So... Let's start with you. I want to know what you find, what 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 categorizes an undervalued three threat before we kind of start talking about specific ones. So I
1: think undervalued is just one that you don't see as often as you'd expect. So I think both you and I probably have our own, well, every player essentially has their own, meta in their own head which is how they view the game and how they rank and rate different characters for example if if you played lots of games against black order and struggled quite a lot then in your mind they're going to be a lot better than someone who's never really had a problem with them so i think it's just just characters that don't see the kind of play that you'd expect when in from your perspective at least they definitely should
0: yeah no i'm here i'm that's that is a perfect categorization and I think it's interesting that you bring up like, you know, what you see a lot in you know your meta. And when I say your meta, that just means like the local meta that you play in cuz again, I think broadly speaking there's very little that's meta in Crisis Protocol because I do feel like that everything has some kind of counterplay in some way or another and you might not have the right tool in your roster to counterplay one specific thing, but it doesn't mean yeah. that counterplay doesn't exist and Yes, if you're having to have one specific thing to counterplay another one specific thing in another roster, that is arguably problematic. That's a discussion for another time. However, yeah. definitely, like, like if you've had Zemo just destroy your team, then you're going to have a different opinion of Zemo than, like, the... Yeah, you sure know what sure. I mean? Like, that doesn't mean your opinion's wrong. Uh, no one's... Look, and what, all all of this is total fun and an opinion based good times. And if you disagree with us, you know, let me know. Send us a message on Facebook at. Uh, you can send us a message through Facebook. Let me know what whether you agree or disagree with this take, and um, you know, send us emails housepartyprotocolpod at gmail And if you're uh, interested in becoming a supporter of the show, becoming one of the one of the suits. I mean, you're all suits but you know, one of the suits, you know what I mean? Like you get a little Friday AI, you know, that, that kind of suit. Uh, Then you can check out our Patreon. It's a patreon.com slash house party protocol. It is a dollar a month. So 12 bucks a year, support the show, support the giveaways we're doing, which that's another thing that we're doing right now is uh, a giveaway. So make sure to check that out. It's the pin post on our Facebook page. Just leave a comment there and uh, listen to the shows for some secret bonus entries. And uh, yeah. With that, you start us off with an underrated three-threat character.
1: So, I, I, I think that I think some people have seen his use, but I don't. I don't think he sees as much play as he should, and that's the Punisher.
0: Okay, I like it.
1: I, I really like the Punisher, and every time I've seen him on a tabletop, he's done work um, for whoever it is that's using him. But you just never ever see him. I can't. Re- I don't think of. I don't think in the last... I don't think I can remember ever playing against him at an event. And I've played like 80, 80 tournament games now.
0: Okay. So I'm kind of with you here in this one. But why do you think he's so underrated? We'll talk about why you think he's good in a second. But why do you think he's so underrated or maybe overlooked is the right word?
1: I think the main reason he gets overlooked is just because he doesn't have any affiliation and he also doesn't have rogue agent. Which is, is sort of the mind kicker for him, really, because you are giving up a free character slot for someone that can't contribute towards any affiliation in the sense of counting as an affiliated model.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I think that that is the number one reason you don't see him on the tabletop more is, a, is the lack of affiliation.
1: Especially now that we've got a lot more characters and we've got sort of a lot of crossover, like we've obviously spoken about, we've got Spider files and Criminal Syndicate, which have a huge amount of crossover. The yeah. fact that Punisher can't fill that box for any affiliation means that if you're even considering running a dual affiliation, then he's not going to be able to make the cut just because you're already struggling to fit in affiliate characters from two different teams.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And do you think that he was hurt? By the restricting of all you got,
1: so I'd never, i never really seen all you've got used with the Punisher, just purely because I think it gets you, it was used a lot more on the um, the bigger models like Corvus and Magneto and guys like that. But I think it definitely did could have hurt him because you know when he gets going for a turn, he can pack a lot of punch um, with, with the toolkit that he's got.
0: Yeah, so his rapid fire is one of the few that does not require a trigger to hit. Yeah, it's hit. automatic.
1: It's- so if you were doing an all you've got with the Punisher, you are guaranteed to be rolling eight to the tap doors.
0: Right, and then at the time when kind of the Widow Bomb and Punisher bombs were a thing, you know, you could do a Doomed Prophecy with an all you've got, and and then Punisher is just out of control.
1: Then he becomes real crazy.
0: Oh, absolutely. And and that's why I bring that up, is because I think that, that maybe the narrative shifted on him when those things kind of got messed with, if you will, especially, like you said, because of that lack of affiliation. But now let's talk about why you think he's really a good character that is slept on a little bit.
1: So I think... The main thing for me after I used Man for the first time is I'd never used the range five tool in a game before at all ever. <laughs> and realizing <laughs> how much distance that covers is, is insane. Like being able to home in rocket a model that is at, at just about in range five, the amount of the board that you, ca- you are managing to cover then is crazy. And I've never had that before. Yeah. I think that, the fact that the Punisher also has a range five attack that is his spender that rolls seven dice with Pierce, I think that's just an incredible attack to have access to. Because I think we we find quite a lot now that one of the problems when you're playing is models running away and sort of, you know, grabbing and extract and leaving. Mm-hmm. So if, if you've got your Black Cat, well, not Black Cat because she's got stealth, if, if you've got Quicksilver, over, you know, and he, he, he's making a run for it, and you can pop a seven dice with pierce at range five or even if it is black cat and you've got mark for death and you can set that up i mean that can really change a game because you, you suddenly daze his character out of nowhere mm-hmm. to tie into the rest of his card he's got he's got the punishment tokens which for people who don't know what they are essentially when an allied character is dazed the punisher gains a punishment token and before any attack he can spend uh, up to three of these punishment tokens to add dice to the attack so suddenly you can have a range 5, 10-dice attack with Pierce that also on damage causes stun and slow, I think. Let yeah. me just check. It causes you know, stun slow. and slow. It's just crazy the amount of reach that yeah. that attack has. And as okay. I said, if, if you've got space in your roster for mock for death, then even objective runners like Black Cat and Miles aren't safe against it.
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny to me with the way sam spam is so popular that you don't see more punisher because
1: this, this yeah this is exactly what i said so i think it was uh, i did an episode with morlocks um on the morlocks podcast talking about this and our chose punisher is my character for that I, I i can't see how he's not an auto include for them to be honest he's just so fit right in
0: right and not only does he fit right in, but if you look at the leadership that they have, you know, you get the the movement, the power, the heel, yeah. right? You get all that stuff, or I don't know if you get the power, I'll have to look at it, but you get the movement. And that's an interesting thing on Punisher, because now, if you're able to get the the movement there, and then you also have that range five attack, I mean, that like you said, that's a lot of board space, and then... Layer into that his spec ops training, where if you've got the power, he can spend two power to just advance himself short, and then your range is even more. Like like two yeah, exactly. short moves that don't cost him an action. That's yeah. a little bit more than a medium move, I think. I mean, it's, or that's almost like a long move.
1: Yeah the the um, the situation for me is if you imagine one of your models gets dazed um, and drops the scroll, for example, so the Edmund model picks it up. And then moves away, and then maybe uses climbing gear or grappling hook. So, mm-hmm. as they daze your objective character, the punisher gets a punishment token. He moves small towards them and then locks and loads, ready to unleash an eight dice uh, aim shot with pierce, slow, and stun.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's it's, so nasty. It's
1: just nasty. It's, it's definitely a very good play.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, I, I'm with you on Punisher. I think he's a solid character, you know, I think that he's one of those that I've seen strong Punisher play. And and when it's when it's hitting right, man, he is he is spicy. And you know, probably the other thing that I think has slept on, on him is like yeah, you've got the aim shot. Aim shot yeah. is a great attack like we've been talking about. But getting into position for him to use his war zone and just hitting people for two damage that think they're safe on some terrain. It surprises the hell out of people.
1: Yeah, again, if you can get that off, it's great. And I mean, when I was running, I think for a little, a small amount of time, I was trying out different things, and obviously three threats are the most versatile, threat value in the game just because you know they're the easiest to build a roster with and fit in alongside your affiliated characters oh yeah so at one point i think i had the punisher and mystique and it was sort of nowhere was safe because the punisher would punish you at range five uh mystique would run up and give you the rapid fires and more importantly if you stood next to any pieces of terrain uh the punisher or mystique would go boom that's that's going to explode and do some damage to you uh-huh
0: uh-huh Yep, I have I, I, one of my friends locally just I swear to God he 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 gave me PTSD from Mystique blowing shit up. <laughs> oh my it can be crazy. Like uh, oh God, like I tell you, I'm I'm not even joking. Like now anytime I see a Mystique or a Punisher across the board, I'm like, Okay, I'm not gonna be on terrain in this match. But what's funny is I rarely see people use those abilities. In, in real time, like I had the one friend that does it every chance he can, but then nobody else really does. This is, I find that hilarious.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's bonkers because I think one of the most slept on things in the game is guaranteed damage that doesn't require a direct attack towards yeah. one model. So things like explosive, things like the train explosions. And I think a real nice little interaction with the Punisher is because he's a ranged right character, your opponent naturally will be moving into positions where they would benefit from cover, you know, to sort of help mitigate the the aim shots and the rapid fire. Absolutely. What that then does is sets up the war zone. So I think it's really interesting.
0: Yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you. So now for my underrated three-threat character, and I want to know how you feel about this because this is one that I've been having some theory crafting with lately. I've been... Having a conversation, shout out to uh Jeff out there. You know who you are. You're listening. I know. Shout out to him. Um It's Ant-Man.
1: I almost knew you were going to say this, and I think if Ron is listening to this, Ron is going to 110% agree that Ant-Man is slept on badly. <laughs> oh,
0: dude, he's super slept on, because there's a lot there's a lot going on here okay ant-man was our first transforming character right and at the time when ant-man came out it was kind of like the venom syndrome of like low energy defense means they're gonna get killed before they can get in the fight right and i think that we've kind of seen some shifting of that narrative i mean shoot i i propagated that for a long time because it it was what was happening to me in my matches, right? Like anytime I had venom on the table, he didn't even make it halfway up the board before he was dead because someone shot him with rocket, you know, but I've, I've learned ways to mitigate that. I've learned ways to, to make that be not as punishing, if you will. So Ant-Man has a similar problem, if you will. However, Ant-Man is one of the most mobile characters in the game. Like, he is shockingly mobile. Like, not as mobile as, He's like, a... Crazy quick. Yeah. N- not as much as, like, an a S- amazing Spider-Man, right? Like, but but he is damn close.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think people don't even realize, just because a lot of people haven't even taken the time to look at what Ant-Man can do. Right. Um as I said, Ron is a big fan of Ant-Man. And after talking to Ron about Ant-Man, I was thought, like, wow, he's actually pretty interesting and he can definitely do some shenanigans.
0: Yeah. So, shenanigans is the name of his game. And at first, one of the things that I kind of thought about him was like, oh, kind of like a, a pseudo-objective runner, like a secure kind of you know, plant, just like sitting there on a secure and yeah. whatnot. But no, man, he is DPS monster. So... Yeah, his pin Particle Punch is only four dice, but it allows you to transform, so you place within range one, right? Then you have Hitch a Ride, which is a range three place, which is very far on a place. cost you nothing. And then you can do a six dice attack. And then change size again after doing the attack from the superpower on his big side there, on his normal side. Like Yeah,
1: I think what people forget is what he essentially has is a very similar toolkit to Miles. So Miles has a four dice builder normally, mm-hmm. um, which after placing becomes a six dice builder. So Ant Man, on the other hand, has a four dice builder where he gets to transform. Then he gets the same distance in a place as Miles gets for a web swing, except for Ant Man, it's free. And then at the end of that, he gets a six dollars builder. So I think people don't realize just how good this kit is, and and just because it's it's worded a little differently and, and laid out a little, little differently, people don't realize that it's almost the same as what you get with models.
0: Exactly. And then let's just remember also that he has a great beam, a great beam. It's re- it's a beam three seven dice for four power bullet ant barrage if it does damage, poison and stun condition. So you're just really screwing over your opponent's power generation. Definitely. And not only that, like when he's in tiny form, he's stealth. Yeah. So you can't even see him if you're not within range three.
1: And and of course, obviously when he is in the tiny form, he gets tiny superhero superpower. So, you know, it's got some ups and downs. The up for it is that he can reroll any number of defense or dodge dice um additionally the character can't hold objective tokens but what you're usually using him for in this situation isn't to hold an objective token it's to sit on a secure where he can't really be targeted and if you do target him he's going to be really annoying with his defensive rerolls
0: absolutely and then again size 1 when he's in his small side because now you have line of sight problems
1: exactly it's, you know. it's- the one thing people always seem to forget about, because size one is so rare in the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about Tiny Ant-Man, Tiny Wasp, and I think Rocket is yep. size one as well. The amount of times where you'll move up thinking you can see him, and then actually you realize, oh no, I can't, because he's size one, and he's behind a size two piece of train or something as such.
0: Yep. Yeah, it's 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 really great. And it's one of those things, so the reason why I think people sleep on Ant-Man is... is one, like I mentioned, the the two energy defense, right? Which is definitely something you have to concern yourself with. Like, Venom has the tools to kind of mitigate that a little better than almost anyone else in the game. But you, you have to look at that. And then also, I think the level of play that is required to get the most out of an Ant-Man, right? Like, I think he's an, a quote-unquote easy character to use in that you can... Put him out there, move him, change his size all around, place, punch, all that stuff. You could do those things kind of in general and still have a good time, right? But like we talked about kind of at the beginning of the show, to take Ant-Man from kind of the the basic level of play to that next level requires some serious finesse. And I know I haven't used that word in a while, but like for real, he is the epitome of a character that takes takes some thought, takes some forethought and understanding kind of of your ranges of the the size changing and kind of the implications of that. Like you said with tiny superhero, okay, now I can reroll any defense dice. If I'm across if I'm directly across from a rocket, well then maybe that's not what I want to set up. But if I'm directly across from Captain America with his physical attacks only, well maybe I can mitigate some of this cuz it's a reroll any and then if you put him into like a web warrior squad and he's standing on a secure, well, now all of a sudden that re-roll and he includes skulls.
1: Yeah, it, it, he definitely requires a lot of thinking in order to get the most out of him. Uh, as you said, being aware of your range and your places. For example, in, in one turn, Ant-Man can move medium, perform an attack, so he then places within one for his transform.
0: Mm-hmm. He
1: can then place within three. And then he can do another attack, which transforms him back. Well, so he's out of distance. He back wouldn't be able to move,
0: current. and he wouldn't be able to move then attack. But the the point is, he can. I no, know what you're can saying. Do,
1: sorry, um, what's it called? The hitch a ride.
0: Yeah. So yeah, he would. So what he'd have to do, if what I'm I'm picking up what you so move in his normal size, do an attack to to then place within one, then hitch yeah. a ride to safety, and on the next turn, hitch a ride back in to blast that
1: opponent. Yes, Yeah. See, this is what I mean. I'm getting confused because I've not used him (laughs) and there's just that much going on in terms of the the different ways you you move him around and transform him. I think it just shows what an interesting character he is and the potential that he has got for some shenanigans.
0: Exactly. And and that's the thing, like there is a scenario where you get to do two ant-size uppercuts in one turn with him and at that point you're probably. I mean, you know, dice are going to dice, so you got to take that into account, but a six dice physical attack is going to gain you some power most likely. So you'll have power to do other stuff. And, you know, you hitch a ride in, you punch a guy, boom, you change size. Now you can change size back again with using a superpower, not even doing any of his normal size attacks. And then ant size uppercut again to then place within range one. Maybe that's out of, out of some range of somebody or something. I don't know. But like, there's so much going on, and it to me it's exciting. Like he's an exciting character, and
1: he's yeah, very interesting.
0: In terms of like where I'm surprised he's not. I go back to Sam, right? So he's affiliated Avengers. How is Ant Man not on the table with Sam? Spam all the time.
1: It's crazy. I think Sam's, it, it just shows how many good options Sam Swam already has. Yeah, the fact you've got these really solid. Really tricksy characters that obviously would fit well there, and then there's even better options that are already there. It, I think it just shows how wide the Avengers affiliation is at this point.
0: Yeah, I- exactly. It's it's speaks probably more to just how many good options there are. Yeah. But for me, like I, I've, I think Ant Man is like, oh yeah, free short move. Yes, please. Oh oh now now I can. Heal some damage if I've taken a little damage. Yes, please. Like there's yeah, the, so the
1: much good to put you in range to do your uppercut, to then hitch a ride, to then attack. As I was trying to say originally,
0: yeah, the distinction
1: covers, crazy. It, it it really is insane. And the fact that at the end of all of that, you know, you're now in a position where you're out because after transforming back, you can pick up an extract. So you what what you can use this to do is cover a lot of distance to, to grab something at the end of it or secure something at the end of it. And I think it is really interesting just... But I, I, I think because it's not so straightforward as, say, a long move followed by a grappling hook on, on Black Cat, it gets overlooked a lot, but you really can cover a huge distance.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, even if you have an objective and you have to do his um, pin particle control where you change your size back in to avoid some damage or something, you know, if you're relatively in a safe place, being able to do that, it's it's not a bad play. And, okay, you drop your objective. But if it's not the last activation you have or something like that, I mean, there's ways that you can mitigate that. And, yeah, your opponent gets to place it on the ground, but when they place it, if they don't place it in a place where you can't get to it later, I mean, you know, it's still in play. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm... <laughs> I'm super here for him man. <laughs> it's you know he's he's just one of those that uh, for me it's it's like I personally want to put him on the board more. I I just haven't and then subsequently I want to see him out there more because I don't know how how you feel around like the conversation with crisis protocol especially you know you and I are are kind of somewhat in that competitive conversation you especially but uh you know w- we can kind of get lost in the competitive talk of this thing is so good and this thing is yeah. horrible awfulness like i don't ever do that cuz i think that literally everything in this game is viable maybe except for viper but even her she she won me a game once so there you go but like everything has a place in crisis protocol in my humble opinion Our, it's a spectrum some things are too strong maybe but not like like i don't think there's anything in the game right now that is broken with a capital B. It's just my personal opinion. But what I'm saying is it's easy for us to get kind of caught up in that conversation around like what's good versus what's bad in a competitive sense, right? But when I look at Ant Man, I don't see a character that's bad competitively. It's just other people use use the the conversation around other characters to just kind of overlook certain characters if that makes sense right
1: uh, i think due to i think it's a blessing and a curse the threat system for marvel crisis protocol is phenomenal because it makes it very simple and easy to build teams yes uh it's very easy to understand it's not like say old warhammer fantasy where you know giving a goblin a shield would be half a point and you'd have to end up with a 2000 point uh army that meets certain percentages and whatnot But what it does then create is there is always going to be the debate of who is the best free threat, what are the the top free threats. And inevitably, although, like you said, I do wholeheartedly agree that every model in the game is definitely viable, um, it does create that conversation, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So like we've both said, uh, Punisher and Ant-Man would be great in some swam. There is, however, other free threats that are equally as good, if not better, in... The context of what that affiliation wants to do and what they provide
0: exactly exactly and the more we've talked about this though the more i'm like well maybe i want to put a sam sam list together and just go super off meta sam spam
1: <laughs> I, I think that the just people not really knowing how to play against it would be quite interesting to see i mean when i first started playing web warriors and i sort of showed up and had was putting Corvus and Proxima mixed in there um and other models, people were sort of like, okay, this is different. This is Web Warriors, but it, it it's not what I expected. And it, it creates a little bit of... It, it sort of makes a subcategory for that affiliation as it's not what you'd traditionally expect to see. And I think that can be really interesting and it can sort of catch your opponent off at, at times. Not in like a, a hard gotcha kind of way, but more in a, okay, I'm going to have to think a little bit differently because it is what I expected, but it isn't the exact, you know, sort of carbon copy of what you'd expect from a Sam Slam roster
0: exactly so now I want to uh, take it over to our discord channel because I put in our discord on the show questions tab over there if you're a member of our patreon uh, you can check that out if you're not and want to become one like I said earlier you can check that out but uh, I have put in there undervalued threes go and we got a lot of suggestions here and I want to kind of run through these real quick with you Aaron what do you think yeah, man, I've just got it up as well. Cool. So starting with Matt, and who, by the way, shout out to Matt for apparently being now the king of Memphis. So we've got uh, Merzane is the king of Tennessee, and and Matt just was at the event down in Birmingham and decided to take all of the Memphis players to task. So uh, shout out to you, Matt. You know, I'll get you one of these days. <laughs> and also, if you uh, have an opportunity, if he posts any of his, I don't know if he posts his painting out there in the world, but man, every event I've been to with Matt, his painting has won Best Painted. Like, he is an impeccable painter, guys. It's wonderful. Highly recommend seeing his stuff. So anyways, Matt says Groot. Now, how do you feel about this one? So, I think I think Groot definitely is underrated in the sense
1: that people don't realize how good he can be at sort of the role he wants to fulfil, which is a really tanky, um, enduring model that's pain to deal with. I do think that you get the most out of him when you bring him alongside Rocket, but I think Matt's definitely correct in saying that he is an undervalued character because there's not another free threat in the game, as far as I'm aware, that brings seven health on both sides and in in inbuilt healing of its own.
0: Right, and and that's kind of where I am with it, like. I think for his role on the tabletop, he's really interesting. And he's underrated, I think, simply because of the intrinsic value tied to Rocket that he has. You know what I mean? Like, to get that deadly duo turn, all of that stuff. But I think you take Rocket out of the equation, and Groot is a very reasonable character. Now, it goes back to the argument of, well, there's so many other threes, blah, blah, blah. But I think Groot really has value In something like a criminal syndicate, where if you're playing uh, a stand there and secure it crisis, not a pay-to-flip crisis, Groot is going to, I think, pay dividends in a situation like that.
1: 100%. I think, as we said with Ant-Man, Groot, unfortunately, does have that little downside of, I think, the low energy defense. I'm pretty sure Mm -hmm. he only has two. He only has two. Yeah, which, again, as we've said with Ant-Man and Venom... It can be quite a problem, especially depending on the kind of rosters you come up against and the characters. But as I said, seven health on both sides and the ability to inherently heal um, for his own superpowers, it makes him so tanky that sometimes it doesn't even really come into play the fact that he has that two energy defense.
0: Yeah. And then layer into that, that he has the card, the We Are Group card that provides some yeah. healing as well. I, I think that, uh, you know, CS is a hard one. I, I get that. But if you can find room for a Groot in your CS roster, I don't think you'd be too disappointed.
1: I think I think he'd definitely put in some work. Um, sadly, in a sense, you know, when when you think of Criminal Syndicate and Free Threats, people like Lizard come to mind. Oh yeah, who offer a little bit more in the sense of the displacement
0: and the mobility.
1: Um, yeah, and the mobility because you have to remember as well, Groot is slow on a medium base, so he's not the fastest character in the world.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. But,
1: if you've got the space to take him alongside to a lizard in your criminal syndicate, he's definitely something worth looking at, I think.
0: That'd be super spicy, I think. Like, a lizard and a Groot both sitting there, like, on a gamma. Like, what do you yeah. do with that?
1: <laughs> it, going, it, it, it just makes me think of the scene from Spider-Man No Way Home with the tree in the cell next to Lizard.
0: <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah, the tree in the cell with Lizard. There you go. The
1: sixth member of the Sinister Six in his Groot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Oh, that's perfect. I love it. So uh, next up we've got Sandbox, the one and only Sandbox. Sean, um, he says Drax. And I've got to say, I agree. I think Drax is another one of those characters that because he's Guardians and Guardians kind of like to do their own thing, I think that, that he gets a little bit overlooked. But in terms of tanky characters, I mean, you know, he's got the the reducing damage by one to a minimum of one, which is nice. He's got six stamina. And then, I don't know how many games you have against Drax. I've got most of my games against Drax in a Guardians list. But that Vengeance, driven by Vengeance superpower, and, like, if, uh you know, putting that out and then him getting extra dice when he attacks is just so nasty i mean
1: yeah 100 when you look at his builder if you can tell the, the situation where the target has bleed and they have the vengeance token you're now rolling an eight noise attack where you can re-roll two of the dice, and you're getting power equal to the damage dealt and that's just his builder
0: yeah. so
1: it, it, it's very spicy Drax is definitely a model that's get slept on and I think one of the letdowns, again, is that he has one of those specific vulnerabilities, so he only has two Mystic defence stars. Yeah. Um, which for a long time was, was, you know, quite detrimental because it meant that they were quite easy to snort with those certain attacks. I mean, if you come up against a Scarlet Witch and she's throwing hex bolts into someone with two Mystic, you can almost guarantee that they're going to go down. But um, Drax, there's something about... I played against him the, the other day. Once you've got the bleed up on the characters around him, his builder becomes very reliable. Yep. The fact that he can throw, he can uh, push size three with one of his attacks, and then he he's also one of the few models that can throw size four um, when you do spender.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it's it all combines for a character that I just find to be very interesting. You know, and. Yeah. With his Titan Killer, you bring up the Spender, and I think that's a really, really interesting point with this character is, you know, it's only three dice natively, and then for each damage that you have on Drax, you get to add dice to it. So that's a little weird, but if you've got the Vengeance token on someone, all of a sudden it's a six dice attack, just straight Uh, away, and the wild throw.
1: Yeah, it's worth noting as well, I think the tactics card that comes to mind, I think it's called no matter the cost, mm-hmm. where you suffer damage in order to to provide the power to use a spender. So you can set up uh, a turn where you use no matter the cost to take free damage to use this attack, which then essentially adds the free dice into the attack. So you... If you've got your judgment out as well, it's certainly a nine dice attack that can throw a size four. He's very spicy.
0: Yeah, exactly. Very spicy, and like I guess against anyone but Modok, you are going to get that throw off. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, like I, I think that it's one of those things where you got to look at when you have this character on the table. What is more valuable? Is it the dice and the attack, or is it the throw? And it's yeah. game situation dependent. But if you look at other characters and kind of what you're paying for, right? Like, so you're paying for a throw that on most characters cost you three power. I think there's very few that are two power these days. I can't remember yeah. off the top of my head, but either way, you're paying three power for a throw. So in that sense, with Drax here, you're paying three power to potentially get a throw. If you make it six dice, it's about 60% of the time that you're going to get it, yeah. which you, know, you can't rely on that, but I'm just. I think it's an interesting way to look at yeah. things with this character.
1: Yeah, so I think Drax is definitely slept on. And I think it's quite interesting that the first two characters we've spoken about are Drax and Group, just purely because there was. I think there was a whole stigma due to the fact of how, how bad the Guardians' leadership previously was. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people just slept on Guardians as a whole, just because they were generally regarded as the worst affiliation at the time
0: yeah i mean and, and it wasn't a a function of their characters being bad individually yeah. it was just that the leadership didn't give you what you needed and all this other stuff right. we're we gonna get into all that but the thing with drax here is that there's a lot going on with him and he's another one of these characters that like with really kind of good play he can really be a problem, and. One of the places that I think, like, out of affiliation that he's very interesting in is Midnight Suns. Yeah, definitely. Like, look, I understand the argument with Midnight Suns, and I I am a proponent of this argument. You want to stay as affiliated as possible because you want to get maximum value out of your Siege of Darkness turn. 100%. Yep. That, is, that, that is 100% true. However, Drax in a Midnight Suns with a Ninja Flip, putting out the bleed, or partnering with a blade on a side yep. of the table to where blade go gives him a the bleed and then jack comes in and gets re-rolls.
1: Yep. I think those two together really are quite good friends just for how they interact with one another with the bleed. Cause you can go with tracks first to get the bleed out. Well, hopefully get the bleed out to then help uh blade or you can do it the other way around. It's definitely very interesting. And I think there is a team out there maybe that you could build that, focuses around the bleed condition
0: yeah i mean shoot put zemo yeah. in there
1: yeah exactly um, <laughs> and you're getting re-rolls maybe even venom i know he's a little bit more expensive but again it's another model that dishes out bleed and, and suddenly becomes quite tanky so you have blade who's healing damage from the bleeding models drax is reducing it and venom that can heal united it's a very interesting roster and i think um as you've said we've not seen a lot of different experiments with Middleton just because of the value you get out of being fully affiliated
0: yeah yeah, so, yeah, definitely there. And uh, so next up, we have uh, Shadow Marvel, and he's for our undervalued threes. He says, "Your mom." <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, she's she's definitely minimum six threat. Minimum. I'm just saying. No, he never, never met my mom. Minimum six threat. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, that, that's that's our secret code word for this show, isn't it? it's your mom what to do it's got to be right
1: definitely yeah
0: (laughs) okay so send us messages on facebook or email housepartyprotocolpod at gmail.com or you can send us messages through the uh, through the discord your mom i can't wait (laughs) it's so good so next up we got schultzy uh he says i feel like crystal gets left behind and you know i i'm here for you now I've played a fair bit of Crystal. I've played a fair bit against Crystal. And I think there's one place where she really shines. But otherwise I'm I'm with you on the kind of gets left behind. What do you think, Aaron?
1: Oh, like Crystal. Um, she's definitely one of the three threats that doesn't necessarily see the table time she deserves. But I yep. think it's just because she she has the ant man problem is if, if to get the most she's a very complicated uh, figure. So ideally you, you, what, you want, what you're want, what you wanting to do is do three attacks a turn and hand out a bunch of conditions yep. and then have us in a position where the models around can't get rid of those conditions. Um, the inhuman built-in rerolls make her very reliable in the sense that it bumps up just the effectiveness of those attacks a little bit and mm-hmm. um, adds to her defense a little. However, she she lacks a specified purpose, I feel, and, and doesn't really I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. She, she, it's what she has is good, but I don't think that you can put her into a specific role necessarily where she's going to excel, and I right. think that might be the reason you don't see her being used as much.
0: So, I think I know what you're getting at, and then it, it's it's this, right? So you're right. I, you you want to be able to get three of her four attacks off a turn because they're all zero cost. But the elemental onslaught, four power. You know, you want to try to. Get that four power so you can do that. Or if she's an Avengers, three power so you can do that. And and each one has a wild trigger on a condition, right? You've got Incinerate, Slow, Stun, and then Hurricane Blast is a push. So if you want to displace people, very good. But then you you also want to keep her close into the fight so that you can't get rid of those conditions against that enemy team, right? However, she's very... Very squishy. Five health, yes. threes across the board. Which you know, the built-in reroll helps with some of that defense. But I mean, I can't tell you how many times where I've rolled no defense dice on a three, had the reroll, and rolled a skull just for good measure.
1: Yeah, definitely, hundred <laughs> percent. You know, know problems with Gwen when I'm rolling my free defense, and then I go, oh, "It's okay, I've got Web Warrior rerolling. It doesn't help at all."
0: Exactly. Exactly. So I think that she's kind of a character that is good in the right situations. And I think trying to use the uh, elemental empowerment where they can't shake conditions within three of her trying to ensure that is not necessarily, I think the way that you want to play her unless you have a bodyguard or someone that can stand there and take the hit or, you know, like, like for instance, You know, if you're playing into Midnight Suns, I think she's interesting because then Blade can't use his shake action thing, Mm -hmm. right? So, like, that's interesting. But it's one of those things where I think she's not really designed to be in the thick of it like that. She's, I think more it's like, get in, do the attacks, and then maybe try to displace someone with one of them. So it's like two conditions and a displacement is what you want.
1: That's the ideal situation, isn't it? Yeah.
0: Yeah. But, but you also want that bodyguard, that Okoye, that She-Hulk, Captain America, somebody like that, if you're planning on trying this like hard condition play thing with her. And I think that that's really where we get caught up. But at the same time, I think her mobility, she moves long. Yep. You know, she moves long. So yeah, you want to get those three attacks off a turn, but I don't think you need to focus on that. I think the, that you can focus on her mobility, focus on sticking and moving and staying safe-ish, and then on the right crisis setup, say a Terrigen Mist or maybe a um, Mayor Fisk where, where stuns and poisons are being passed out. Keep her kind of right on that edge so people can't you know get rid of those Mm -hmm. conditions so you know i think that there's there's a way to play her that's a little bit more high level but where i think she really shines aaron is in a force i think in a force she is super good
1: yeah she she gets the power that she needs to be doing those elemental attacks doesn't she and and i think if you combine her and scarlet witch together um having that strange bubble of you can't really shake quite quite a large chunk of, of conditions that's very interesting as well
0: Exactly. And then also she has a long move. She has flight, so special delivery. Yep. With that's her. The one. <laughs> you know. And and she's two points less than Angela. So like, yeah, yep. you get a little more range with Angela, but uh two points less and you're dropping off a She Hulk right in somebody's face. Nasty.
1: Definitely. Definitely. I think I think that's definitely the the, the most viable place for her to be, you know, sitting up is within Air Force, like you said. Yeah. sort of a cheaper version of Angela to do you drop-off and yeah. uh, maybe some shenanigans with conditions as well.
0: Yeah, I, I think that it's she's one of those characters where, you know, maybe out of affiliation is not her thing, but affiliated yeah. A-Force, you know, she's pretty decent in Inhumans as well. Like, I, I think that that's kind of, you know, and that's okay. But that's still, again, like we've talked about earlier, how when we get wrapped up in a conversation of what's a character... That like like kind of this is a good character, period, yeah. hands down, put them anywhere, they're gonna be great, versus the idea of these characters are good where they're good. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is one of those where I think Crystal is a good character, has total play, but she's she excels in the places where she excels versus kind of broad you and know I, what I, mean? I think
1: that 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 is a, a good dissolving choice just because reward you for playing her sort of where she's sort of meant to be as such, you know, exactly. with the with the team that she's, you know, the teams that she works with.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So uh, next up we've got uh, Rylan, He says Deadpool and Deadpool's an interesting one because I've played a lot of Deadpool. He's one of my favorite characters in Marvel, like in the comics. So like I played a lot of him and I played a good bit of X-Force originally. And he, he's one of those things where like, he's he's just really interesting and and i think i could see him being underrated uh, labeled as an underrated character just because he's weird and different
1: i definitely agree with you i think a big re- the the main reason for example i haven't tried him is that in order to get him it's like i think i'm pretty sure it's like a 45 50 pound box for a free fret and a two fret <laughs> yeah. character yeah just because of that taco
0: truck Hey, man, the taco truck is what you want, man. That's why you're buying that is for the taco truck, okay? I
1: suppose it might be for some people, but um, just to sort of try out and splash in a free threat character that you might not be sure in it is a little bit off-footing in of a
0: I understand that completely, yeah. And he's a character that, like, he's four and six on his health, so, like, that's another, I think, deterrent really- yeah. that people have there is, like, okay, well, he's going to go down pretty easily, early on and then when you look at his bang attack right it's like living the dream of getting to bang 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 is amazing and if you've ever had it happen you know how good it feels like i've had it happen one time in a match like at a tournament i got bang 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 i was like oh my god this it's, is a, it's a gem. john
1: isn't here with us now because i've seen john bang 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 and then bang 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 uh, oh at events, God. and it's just crazy to watch,
0: yeah. And, and it's just one of those, like, so, so that is fun. I think, you know, Deadpool was incredibly useful, especially during the dark days of Enchantress being kind of overtuned. Uh, yeah. he was incredibly useful there because of his unicorns, rainbows, and sugar plums dancing through my head superpower that made it to where he couldn't be moved by things, basically. So, oh. You know,
1: I think he's a great pick in Criminal Syndicate because he's healthy on both sides, essentially, which means under the Kingpin leadership, he's always counting as two models. And as you've just said, rainbow sugar plums, uh, all kinds of crazy things that that superpower <laughs> is. Yes. means that he can't be pulled off of those objectives very easily.
0: Yep. And then the built-in re-roll that he has is yep. very nice and spicy. I, I think the main
1: thing that makes Deadpool a very strange character is he's one of the only models in the game where he operates best on his injured side. And what that sort of creates is a situation where to get the most out of him, you, you sort of using him on, on the edge of a knife point, because if somebody spikes, he's not going to come back and be dead. He, he's gone at that point. And I think, right. I think it, it suits the character very much that he, he's such a crazy and wacky and weird character. And that's how he works. Yeah. Um, I think he's definitely slept on, as I said, in Criminal Syndicate. I think he he, he has a home there. Um, just in, in most affiliations, though, having him out on a flank, sort of going, I don't care if he gets days because he's still healthy for the, term, for the purpose of scoring. And the fact that he's just problematic, I think it, he m- maybe would see a bit more play if it wasn't for the, the big price tag <laughs> that comes along with the tackle truck box.
0: Right, yeah, I could see that. I, I also oh. think that... Like, you brought up a really good point, like, on a flank, on his own, like, one-on-one against another yeah. character, like, he might not be the tankiest character per se, but, like, 3v3 kind of thing, like, you know, yeah. another three on a three, like, he's he's going to be okay.
1: He becomes really annoying and hard to deal with more than anything. I think that's very thematic, and it suits Deadpool down to a T.
0: Exactly. Because...
1: I've sort of had Gwen one v one him off in a flank, and then Deadpool's going, "Ha ha, you can't get me off this objective, and I'm healthy. Deal with it." And it's like, "Well, oh, what, what, what is this?" Exactly. And oh, then like you him, and then he gets back up and he's like, "Ha ha, I'm still healthy. Deal with it."
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Very Deadpool esque. Very Deadpool esque. And then the the final thing I want to say about this is like his Merc with a Mouth superpower, being able to just. By the way, you don't have two power now.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. If if you get it off, it's amazing because <laughs> right. it shuts down so many things. Especially if if you're about to attack a model that has say martial prowess or Captain America's ability to buff his defense. Yeah, and you just go, Nah, you know what? Not today. Give me that power. <laughs> you're not doing that. And now I'm gonna gonna hit you in the face with my sword or my bang bang bang.
0: Oh yeah, and and that's the thing is like that superpower is almost more valuable than his spender most of the time.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: So yeah, I'm here for Deadpool. I love Deadpool. Uh, Next up, we've got Jarrah says Agent Widow, and this is another one that kind of had their day in the sun and has literally not been talked about since then, it feels like.
1: I think that we're about to see the return of Widow once we get Nick Fury, I think she's going to be everywhere under that leadership.
0: Well, she is an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D.,
1: so... Indeed, we should hope that she's affiliated there just because she's literally got it
0: in her name, hasn't she? <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> uh, I think we're about to see a big comeback for both her and Hawkeye under that leadership.
0: Yeah, I can uh, see that for sure.
1: I think she is slept on just because the two-threat Black Widow is a much easier character to fit in and splash in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they do fill different roles and I think people have definitely slept on her. Um, as we've said, I think she's got... Has she got the guaranteed rapid fire on she her does. attack? yep. So I think there, there was a point where the Black Widow bomb was definitely a thing, which was, you know, Doom Prophecy and all we've got, um, or a combination of the two or one or the other. Yeah. And I think what's quite interesting as well, she's one of the only characters in the game that brings a different way of scoring VPs because she's got the interrogation superpower, which she used during the cleanup. So I think if she's within range two of a... Days enemy model she can spend the power to gain a vp straight away correct which is one of the reasons i think she'll be work one of the reasons i think she'll work really well in the new agents of shield affiliation
0: yeah i think so too uh, i'm excited to see more of her because she's a character that i like you know a character yeah. that i think trying to get that interrogate off is so fun like it's hard yeah. it's hard to get it off i've found but it's also really fun when it happens
1: yeah definitely uh, i I do think that she probably should get a little bit more table time than she should, but I feel, as you said, she had a had a time in the sun, sort of that that you know was removed and then was no longer a thing, and I think that's why she's been slept on.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and, and that's that's exactly what I think too. Is that, that it was like the big thing, and and then once once that got got dealt with, if you will, yeah. it uh, is is why she's no longer in the conversation. But I think she's definitely worth. The conversation Yeah. That- so next up we've got a couple people so jarrah added a second one and wally uh over here confirmed this as an underrated character and this is probably to me the most interesting one and so jarrah says also proxima midnight as a splash character and wally says proxima is the most underrated three by a huge margin
1: so I 100% agree. I was just looking for the Discord as, as you mentioned that we, we were going to go to the show questions. Um, and I'm, I'm quite glad we've had the time to get onto this. Proxima is phenomenal. And it's quite funny. In the last week, I've started using her a little bit more than I had, again, as a Splash character, just because she's quite problematic for the Juggernaut and the, the Brotherhood team, just because of the toolkit that she, she provides.
0: Why is she problematic for Juggernaut? So
1: Juggernaut aims, I think, to be dazing people. And I think that that martial prowess and damage reduction really slows him down a little bit if he decides to go after her. Because if she's got the power to use martial prowess, suddenly she's very hard for him to daze in one attack, which is all that he can really do. Mm -hmm. So I've been playing some games against Dan and Proxima has been super useful in sort of slowing down the Juggernaut train. Um, nice. When she's got the power to use
0: that martial prowess, yeah, I think that she's a really interesting character. I mean, you know, she moves long, The damage reduction is one of those things where, you know, it's easy to overlook that she has that damage reduction. And like when you look at her with her five stamina, you think, oh man, that's that's kind of oof. But then, like you said, you layer in the martial prowess, you w- layer in the invulnerability she has, and all of a sudden, it's a character that's uh, that's pretty good. And And then I also like the fact that other than martial prowess, she doesn't have a ton that she wants to spend her power on. You know, like wife of Corvus being a power now, like even if you don't have Corvus, I mean, I think Proxima still has value. And, you know, Quantum Starburst, I don't know about you, but uh, there is a curse of the Quantum Starburst. It's a thing. Just Google it. I'm kidding, don't Google it, it's not probably on the interwebs, but <laughs> it's, I don't know about you, I've played Proxima a fair few times, and it's like, oh, I'm going to do a Quantum Starburst, we're going to just load this character up with conditions, no conditions, and then don't do the damage. <laughs> no damage, sad time.
1: Yeah, I think Proxima is potentially one of the best free threats that doesn't see the table time she deserves. I think she's phenomenal. Um, I've, I've used her before recording the show, I used her in the game earlier on today, um, I used her a few times last week. I think she she gets pushed out a little bit by other three threats, but she's definitely, definitely a very viable choice and a very versatile choice just because she can do a lot of different things. She's got two zero-cost attacks, one that's energy and one that's physical. Mm-hmm. So she has the flexibility with that. She has the long move as you've said. She's got the damage reduction. Um, and I, I've, I've hopped on about it a little bit, but martial prowess is just such a good super because it, it creates a situation where she becomes really hard to kill, and there's a chance that you injure yourself while trying to do so. Yeah. I had Magneto hit her earlier on today, um, and I used the Martial Prowess, and I actually managed to block all of the incoming damage, which then dazed Magneto, which is a huge swing. Wow. You know, because Mag- Magneto is such an expensive character. So yeah. It's really useful to have, and I think, um, I honestly do think she's a really good character to take against Brotherhood, just because of the damage reduction sort of mitigates the damage from throws as well.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. I, I'm I think that's a really fair point. And, you know, it's one of those things where she's got some really yeah. sneaky objective play, I feel like, yeah. you know, like the long move plus a spear throw to place within range one, spear throw being range three. I mean, you know, you're you're getting to that objective.
1: What 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 spear throw helps get around as well is um the problem that obviously she's a long move, but she doesn't have wall crawler. So if yeah. you've got an objective on top of a trying piece, it can be a little difficult to get there. But what you can do is instead just use the spear throw and then get the place, which is really handy and really quite neat, especially if you manage to daze your target oh, yeah, um, with the spear throw, because you've not only took them from scoring, but you're now there scoring it instead. And yep. it can be really, really handy.
0: Absolutely. And then, you know, they mentioned that uh, she's really great in Web Warriors, and this is an the accurate mind. statement, and you will not get any arguments from the two of us here today.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, I've, I, Like I've said before, I've played a couple of games with Web Warriors, and I can definitely confirm she fits <laughs> right uh she's, uh she's great with them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, and what's interesting is, I think she's great without Corvus in Web Warriors, yeah, actually.
1: The main thing, um, as a free fret splash without Corvus, that's where I find her get find getting the most out of her. Yeah. Um the combination of Gwen, Black Cat and Proxima as three free threats that all have long move. They're they're great together those three. They're like, honestly it's such a menace for the opponent to play against.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely, man. So yeah, that's that's all we've got from our Discord. I do just you know, we're running a little long, so I'm gonna give one honorable mention here. We don't have to get too deep into it. Honorable yep. mention of currently undervalued three threats. Valkyrie I know what you're thinking out there suits you're thinking well Valkyrie is amazing and she's been amazing for a long time yes Valkyrie was everywhere for a long time and you know they quote unquote nerfed her but really they just kind of put her in line with other characters like her she's still amazing (laughs) I think it's the same as Shuri,
1: to be honest. So Shuri was also another model that got a nerf. Yeah. Um, and I think for both of these characters, the drop in how much they're being played is disproportionate to the amount they've been nerfed.
0: 100%. I mean,
1: you'd think that they'd both been changed completely the amount of the fact that they've gone from being two of the most played to two, not necessarily the least played, but they've, they're very, they aren't seen as much. You, you would assume that what the nerf, that hit them was a lot bigger than it was, but it wasn't really. And I think it is very interesting that you'd give that honorable mention. It is worth noting because a lot of people will think, what, Valkyrie? No, she's a good character. But in reality, she has seen a huge drop-off in play since since that little mirth that she's had.
0: Exactly. So that's my honorable mention because, like, yeah, you know, if you just said an (laughs) undervalued character four months ago, what? But no. Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to leave it at that. Aaron, Where can people find you, my friend? So people can find
1: me over on Web Warrior Protocols, um, both on Facebook and on my website as well. Um, Then over on Instagram, it's the14th underscore Legion, and I believe it's the same over on Twitter as well.
0: Cool, cool. And uh, Suits... Make sure to go and give Aaron some love, like his page, all that good stuff. And then also make sure to check out the pin post on the House Party Protocol Facebook page. It is our giveaway. Like the thing, like our page, all that fun stuff. Leave a comment. And then also listen to the shows. There are now four secret codes at this point. And today's secret code is your mom. That's right. And and if you send me your mom's name, I'm going to laugh and i will count it because like i'm saying your mom it's like you know and it's like well what's what did wendy ever do to you <laughs> no 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 yeah. it's like- <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, i just, just want to say thank you as well to boarding Brom, um who that's where i am recording at the minute uh it's my local gaming shop it's where i host my events it's where i get most of my games and my reps in as well so i just want to say a big shout out to them and if you are uk based uh or even abroad i'm pretty sure that they're, they're post abroad if you're looking for uh, marvel at a great discount price and definitely check them out at uk as they offer i think 25 percent off of retail
0: nice nice so, so yeah. yeah we love supporting local shops so make sure to check them out and then also you can uh, check out the WarroomHobbies.com. just google war room hobbies and uh that'll come up there'll be a link in the description you can use uh the code MCP2022 to get a bit of a discount over there. So make sure to go check that out. Uh, they're good guys over there. And um, also, you can send us messages at the, our Facebook page. That's the best way to send us messages with our secret codes and stuff. And then you can send us emails, Pod at gmail.com. You can message us on Discord. I'm at HPP underscore Will on pretty much all of the main Marvel Discord channels. And then, like I said, if you're interested, uh, be on the lookout for some streaming from twitch.tv slash DarthBalls05 of TTS Season 7. So, uh, also, this week is a bit of a special week, Aaron. I am going to have two episodes this week, so I'm not sure which one's going to drop first, but if you're hearing this one first, then yay, be prepared for more House Party Protocol and uh if you're hearing the other one first then coming to this one you have more yay yeah it's always good isn't it <laughs> exactly more is better yes uh, <laughs> but uh anyways man i really appreciate you being on and it's always a good time when we have a chat and um we'll talk to you soon buddy and uh party on aaron
1: yeah party on will thanks for having
0: me yeah man and power down suits